welcome to Snescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo Library. Three games at a time, we play them briefly, we judge them harshly, and we rank them. That's pretty much all you need to know. I'm Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero. And folks, the games are good again. The games are okay today. Just, it is delicious. It's, I cannot wait to actually talk about something I like again. Yeah, although I, I think I, I've got considerably more to be happy about this week than you do, because we, we, we had a pretty split decision. That is true, actually. Yeah, one of our few really divergent opinions, which you will hear in just a little bit, so... That'll be a fun conversation. I'm excited for for all of this, honestly. Maybe not all of it. The first game I'm not super excited about. You know, it's December. We still got them sports. We do have one final sports here to talk about, but the last sports of this year, and we're going to have a a better solution for sports going forward. So this is the last time you're going to have to hear us talk about an individual sports title all on its lonesome in depth like this where we don't really have much to say about it so why don't we get into that right now and get it done with this is uh, pro quarterback what's going on with pro quarterback um well pro quarterback they're a quarterback which is a position in american football they are uh pro which actually means Professional. It's short for professional. Oh, thank you. Good. I didn't know that. Why don't we dive into the folks who made this really quick? I'm not going to dive in too much actually into that today because we've already talked about these two. Uh, this was done by the pairing of Trade West and Leland Corp. Uh, Trade West by this point uh, had already sort of brought Leland Corp under their umbrella. So uh, basically they were an in-house studio for Trade West. Uh, we talked about them back when we covered Super Off-Road. We'll be talking about them again when we discuss stuff like Fun and Games and Double Dragon 5. So Was that the Double Dragon fighting game, the one based on the, the, the Saturday morning cartoon? Oh, it sure was. Oh boy, I can't wait to get to that one. But yeah, so that <laughs> acquisition happened way back in 1987, and it's actually how Leland Corp got its name. The company started out as Cinematronics in 1975 and was renamed to the Leland Corp after one of Trade West's founders, Leland Cook. So basically just saying like, yeah, we'll just pretend that you've always been under our umbrella, I, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is also not uh, Leland Corp's first football game. Uh, they made both John Elway's Quarterback, which uh, came out for consoles in 1987, and the simply named Quarterback, which released in arcades that same year. And by looking at the games, I assume that these are actually ports of the same game. Uh-huh. Moby Games uh, lists the same staff credits for both of those. So yeah, I just assume that those are actually just the same game, and they got John Elway's uh, likeness for the console versions. That makes sense. Releasing a game called just Quarterback to stores probably wouldn't have gotten too much attention. Well, look at this one. I mean, really. That's true, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if this game is actually meant as sort of like a spiritual successor or like the, the next in a franchise of football games for the company. With the exception of Kevin Liddy who's listed under the graphics credit for the original quarterback. These games don't seem to share any staff between them. Mm, Okay. This game features a uh, behind-the-player camera angle, uh, which requires a lot of the SNES's Mode 7 bitmap scaling to present the field dynamically. 
The field looks all right. Um, the character sprites look okay when they're not in motion. A little bit sparsely animated when they move, though. Yeah, not a whole lot of frames there. I mean, this game has all the stuff that you would expect from a football game at the time. You've got your playbooks. You've got your various modes. This is probably fine for people who like these games. I don't really know what you would actually be looking for in a game like this in, to some extent. So but beyond just saying it does seem to tick the boxes, I don't know what to say about it exactly. I also don't know how this game works in two-player mode. I don't know how well like it, it masks your playbook and things like that from the other player. COVID and everything, we didn't get to play this together. So, And there was no way I was going to convince my wife to play a football game with me. So, so we can't really talk to speak to the two-player aspect, but... Yeah, as far as a one-player football game goes, it's not tremendously different from either of the John Madden football games. Uh, I don't think this one feels quite as as fully fleshed out as those games. Like, I feel like those ones offered more upfront options for you know, team composition, and I, I think it 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 maybe explained the playbook a little bit better. But otherwise, like, the on-the-field action is not really that different. Yeah. Also, uh, this game does not have any player licenses or NFL aff- affiliation at all. Which is kind of funny because it is called Pro Quarterback, but all the Pro Quarterbacks are nowhere to be found in this game. So, Yeah, we'll have to wait for the uh, Quarterback Club franchise before we get all the real quarterbacks in our game. I said in the last episode that I may not even play this game. I played this game for maybe all of a minute, so I played it more than I was expecting to. I played a quarter of a game in this game. It was not really that different from the first minute. I think you got enough out of that to give a fair summary of the game. So, yeah. Well, I never got to get my special teams or anything up there. I do like the little animation you get when um, somebody scores a touchdown. That's pretty good. Two players in slow motion, bumping chests. Got that good chest bumping right there. Well, um, do we need to say anything more about this, you think? Or are we just going to rank it? I don't have anything else to say about this. I wish it had music, like I usually do with sports games. All the more reason to keep this one quick to cut down on the interstitials. <laughs> yeah, so let's go over to the list and see where we want to put this one. So so what we got right here is we got John Madden Football 93, and we got uh, positioned right right underneath that. We got John Madden uh, 56. So we've got this this cluster right here right in the middle of the list and and they're 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 getting ready to uh well to stay right there quite frankly so uh where do you think this one goes you think this one just tries splitting right down the middle there do you think it tries to go uh uh, to to one of the uh the the right or the left side or i guess the, the top or the bottom i don't know how directions work boom Well, John, I think this one probably tries to sneak into the bottom there. It kind of just knows it can't quite pass Madden or Madden. So I think it's, it's, it's going to take its opportunity right where it can and, uh, get in right past the clown at number 57. Does it get past the clown at 57? That's a good question. I'm going to say no, actually. I'm going to keep going down, actually, because, like, I don't think I like this as much as, say, Musia at 59 or, or even maybe Spider-Man and the X-Men at 62? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, what do you think about Lethal Weapon at 64? 
I could put this above Lethal Weapon. I, I didn't like enough about Lethal Weapon to say that I, I would tell somebody that this is objectively a better game than than Pro Quarterback. So yeah, that might be a good place for it. Uh, so our new 64? Yeah, our new 64 Pro Quarterback, right between Lagoon and Lethal Weapon. All right. And folks, with that, that is our final sports game that we're ever going to cover in this format. So our plan is at this point going forward that anytime we get to a sports title, we're just going to basically take an episode to discuss all the sports titles of that uh, particular sport for that year is sort of a way of just kind of being able to discuss them all at once and not having to do a deep dive into any of them individually unless we feel that they deserve it. That way we you know, can still highlight the individual things about a specific game that are good, but we don't have to spend time like we just did here talking about a game where we really have nothing to say, um, you know, if it doesn't really offer anything unique or different from the other, in this case, three other games in, in its genre. So I think this will help us, you know, kind of have a better context for where we actually think these sports games should be in relation to each other as well. And with all of that out of the way, it is on to, well, a game that I really liked, a game that you didn't like quite as much. I wasn't as big a fan of this one as you, but um, go ahead and let's talk about Pushover. Yeah, let's talk about Pushover. So this is another ocean-published game, and, uh, you know, they've got kind of, let's say, a spotty history at this point. A little bit, yeah. This game was developed by Red Rat Software, and uh, who are they? Don't have a clue. There is no history written about them in any of my usual sources. They do not have a Wikipedia page, and I am not able to find any substantial info on the company. Uh, Googling Red Rat brought me to another software company that seems to make like home automation devices or something like that. Great. Good. And uh, they don't seem to have any relationship to this studio. Wikipedia does say in its article about Pushover that this game resulted in a legal dispute between Ocean and Red Hat. Uh, sorry, Red Rat. <laughs> Red Hat is another software company. Uh, Wikipedia suggests that Red Rat was unhappy over the branding and changes that Ocean wanted to make to the game and eventually took them to court to regain creative control. And this actually led to the company's demise as they lacked the funds to go toe-to-toe with Ocean uh, legally. So unfortunately, Wikipedia cites no sources for this at all. So I am not able to confirm any of this. I, I can I can understand that being upset about that though because like my sense is that this game was basically developed independently of the branding it was eventually given by ocean and that branding appears to have been in in britain at least the british snack quavers yes quavers this was a product placement game in the uk yeah yeah, I'd never heard of Quavers before this. Me either, yeah. They look like almost like pork rindy kind of things, but I, I think they're actually like um like a corn chip or something or like a yeah, something like that, or maybe a rice cracker. I'm not actually sure, but um It's not some kind of crunchy snack. The mascot for Quavers is a character in the original game, but he got scrubbed out and is now just depicted as a big rat thing. In the original game, your aunt was collecting bags of Quavers to give to the Quavers mascot. 
here he's just uh, – those bags of quavers have been replaced with bundles of cash. I'd rather have the cash than the quavers personally, but I don't know how quavers taste, so maybe they're – so delicious, I'd rather have that than the cash. Well, you're you're also not the mascot uh, for Quavers, whose name is apparently Colin Curley. So. That's true, I'm not. He would almost certainly rather have the Quavers. I feel like, it, you know, if, if this were me and I developed a game, and I was pretty proud of it, and then the company releasing it just sort of arbitrarily decided to slap, like, a big product placement thing all over the game without my input... I might be kind of annoyed by that. Yeah, and interestingly enough, it's kind of what happened to another uh, puzzle platformer, uh, Krusty's Funhouse, which started out as a completely different game and then got the Simpsons branding. But I, I don't think that resulted in any legal disputes because, honestly, I don't think the company that made that one was all that put off by just painting it with Simpsons stuff. Giving it like an association with a beloved TV show is possibly a little different than turning it into kind of like a thing that's supposed to advertise a snack food. Krusty's Super Funhouse had specifically been a Simpsons game designed to advertise Butterfinger. That might have been more annoying than just it being a Simpsons game. I would still say just by virtue of being a Simpsons game, even if it is just to sell Butterfinger, you're still coming out you know, better than... You're still coming out better, but... And the fact that, like, the playable character in the game is entirely independent from, like, the branding, the, the Quaver's branding, to the point where they could just keep almost everything about the game the same, but just, like, change out the sprite for Colin Curley to this, like, big rat guy, you know, suggests to me that that probably it was a pretty last-minute thing. I will say in defense of Ocean here, the character that you're playing as in Pushover is named G.I. Ant. That's what they came up with. Not terribly creative, I'm thinking. Yeah, maybe making your game a crass commercial product when you didn't have all that much in place in the first place that was all that creative isn't... But but I will say, I think the gameplay is solid, and, and we will finally get into what Pushover actually is. Yes. This is basically a domino tumbling game where you have to position dominoes in a certain way to make them fall over. The objective in every level is to make the trigger domino, which is denoted by three red stripes on the domino, to fall over last. It always has to be the last domino to topple. So you have to sort of configure everything in certain ways to um, to make that happen. As your little GI ant character, you can pick up most dominoes. You can't pick up the trigger domino, but uh, you can pick up most other ones and move them around the playing field. You can climb up and down ladders. Each of the levels has like a different arrangement of platforms. Sometimes there will be platforms that your ant just cannot access. So you have to kind of figure out a way to make all the dominoes interact without being able to access some of them. I think this is actually a pretty clever game. The dominoes have different properties. Most of them are going to be just standard yellow dominoes that just topple over like regular dominoes would. Some of them have a big thick red line across them indicating that they are tumblers, meaning that they will actually continue to tumble over and over again until they uh, hit a domino to knock over or uh, fall on top of a domino that's already toppled. There's splitters where if you uh, cause a domino to land directly on top of it, it will actually split in two and fall both ways. There are dominoes that float up, completely defying the laws of physics until they hit a ceiling and then will topple as if the ceiling were the floor, way that's a little bit confusing at first. (laughs) 
So there's some that explode and create gaps in the floor, some that actually will create bridges uh, where there were there was a gap originally. I will say I think that they have been pretty creative with the different ways in which these dominoes can act. Um, it's a little bit Lemmings-like, but I think last episode I, I said that I imagined this was something like a combination of dominoes and Lemmings. It's really just dominoes. Yeah, it's dominoes with a bunch of, of kind of special rules, basically, that you you need to use to to solve the individual puzzle setups they've given you. And yeah, I agree. That's a that's a clever idea. I personally don't really like the way this works in practice, which I think is the main difference here is that you were able to really get into this and kind of have fun with solving these puzzles. And it never really happened for me. It never really clicked the way that it it surely was supposed to. I've been trying to figure out a little bit why I feel that way about this. So one thing, actually, a a criticism of mine is that I didn't like that there was a pretty strict time limit on the game, like as far as like, you know, not only do you have to get the last domino to fall in this amount of time, but you also have to get the ant to the exit. Right. So if you manage to complete the puzzle by getting all the dominoes to fall in the right order, but you still don't exit the stage in time, you still have to do the level over. Everything did feel like such a, a tightly contained sort of stage that I was never too put off by having to restart the level. And you can restart the level yourself whenever you'd like. There's also a mechanic involving tokens where you can undo pushing over the blocks. But I never found this useful because, for one thing, I didn't know if it reset the counter as well. But right. I just I just never found it terribly useful to... Uh, take back a push because I, uh, by that time I figured, well, I'd, I've already screwed this up and I probably just need a fresh start. So I just always found myself restarting. But Now, something that I do think is good about the way it does the timer, though, after the timer counts down, it starts counting up and you can still keep playing and finish the level. You know, you obviously can't move on to the next one until until you you do it in the time limit. But I do appreciate that because it does mean that you can at least, ex, you know, experiment a little bit and figure out what exactly you're supposed to do and even how long that might take so that you can come back and and do it again in the time limit. The game does acknowledge the benefits of sort of letting you be able to take your time and really kind of soak in the puzzle and and work everything out, which is why I think it is kind of annoying that they have the time limit there and also that the ant is constantly shrieking at you if you (laughs) leave him idle for more than a second. I really hate the character. I hate the character a lot. They did a bad job. And Red Rat, that's why they put friggin' snack food branding in your game, okay? You made bad characters. I mean, it, it's really some classic sub-rare quality character design here. That British, like, let's give it big eyes and a, and a, and a, and a mocking grin on the box. Yeah, like, I, I hate it. I do not like this ant. I could forgive almost everything else about G.I. Ant, his ridiculous name and, and everything else, if he didn't just shriek at me because I haven't pushed anything on the D-pad for three seconds. Because I'm looking at the puzzle. Yeah, I like his little scream when he falls off of a high ledge, though. I might have made him fall from high ledges just out of spite a couple of times. Uh, which is another thing the game doesn't outright tell you. So... Here's one thing I, 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 again, another criticism of mine for the game is that other than just knocking over dominoes, there's a lot of little esoteric rules to how the puzzles need to go that isn't really explained. And I, I wish it was. Like when you hit start, you see 
all of the dominoes and it, it tells you like what all the dominoes do more or less. That's good. But I wish they had like one more screen there also explaining just some of the other rules. Like if you have a domino that falls from a ledge and falls directly on top of another domino, except for a splitter, then those dominoes will just crash and just kind of crumble into a pile of rubble. And at that point, the stage becomes unsolvable. I wish that the game had told me that like, I can't let GI Ant fall from a height that's too high. If he falls from more than like, you know, a third of the screen, he will just die when he lands, you know, like little things like that, that they just don't outright tell you, and I I wish that they did. I think that this kind of gets to the heart of why I did not have a great time with this game. It's the stuff that you're talking about, but also the behaviors of all of the many different individual special dominoes. To me, just it, it all feels kind of weirdly arbitrary. Like, it doesn't feel like you're kind of building complexity onto the basic act of like lining up the dominoes and and letting them topple it feels like there's a bunch of different arbitrary rules that are being employed as the mood strikes them from stage to stage and like it, it's pretty frustrating to to have to play this game of like trial and error over and over again to just kind of figure out what rules this particular stage wants you to care about, you know, and, and what behaviors it wants you to take into account. Like, I think that a lot of my issues with this could be solved if there was just like a, a mode in this where you could just set up dominoes and mess with them to see how they all interact with each other and like figure out stuff like that whole business where if a, a domino falls from a height onto another domino, it just destroys both dominoes. You know, if I could have figured that out and just like had a better working sense of what the possibilities are with the dominoes, I would have been more up for engaging with the individual puzzles. But yeah, like just having to like get thrown into a stage and being like, all right, what is this one going to be? Like what, what things are they going to, to, you know, build this one around with sort of no forewarning of, of, what might be relevant in the game's rule set here. I really never ran into a case in which there's a domino here that isn't just a regular yellow falling domino that that domino is there for a reason. There's a delay domino here. One in which when you hit it, it waits a second before it topples over. So why is that there? Now I will say that like how you're saying, like you wish that there was a sandbox mode or wish that there was a better way of explaining how dominoes interact with each other. I agree with that because like with the delay domino, for example, if a tumbler domino hits it, that tumbler domino will actually start going the other way because it doesn't immediately topple. There are also dominoes that are called stoppers that are just um, solid red. Those do not topple and do not need to topple to solve the puzzle. They will always cause dominoes to just sort of bounce off of them, which is useful for the tumblers because, again, that will cause the tumblers to start going in the other direction. But yeah, but it's not immediately obvious that a delay domino would have the same effect as a basically a stopper domino um, on a tumbler. So yeah, some stuff like that should have probably been better explained. Also, the fact that the trigger domino has to lay flat to solve the puzzle. If the trigger domino falls onto another domino that has already fallen, it won't count, which is something that actually made me wonder what I was doing wrong at one point, because... You know, I, I didn't have any way of knowing, like, well, wait, why is this happening? And it turned out that was why. I definitely had moments in which, like, a puzzle that was not working for me really 
clicked. And some of the, sometimes it made me feel like a genius where I was like, oh, wait a minute. I have all these ascending dominoes. I have to start from the bottom and work my way up, not the other way around. And other times I kind of felt like an idiot because it's like after trying to solve a puzzle in several different ways, I realized, oh, I just have to move this domino while all these other dominoes are falling. And like the solution was actually much more simple than I was thinking. I think if you like puzzle games, if you enjoyed things like Lemmings and Krusty's Super Fun House, I think you'll probably like this a lot. Yeah, that's all I got. I'm glad you were able to speak to kind of the ways in which this worked for you. And um, I, I feel, uh, you know, kind of bummed that it didn't for me, honestly, because what you're describing there sounds like a very fun game. I think it is now time for us to go to the list. And see where we want to put this. Where, where, where would you recommend starting on this one? Well, we've got Lemmings way up at number 15, and I, I don't think it's as good as that game. And then we've got Krusty's Super Fun House way down, actually way down at 57. I'm, I'm kind of torn on whether or not I, th- I, I want to say I think I enjoyed this a little bit more than Krusty's Super Fun House, but okay. I don't know. How do you feel about it? I think the puzzle setup in Krusty's Super Fun House is, is overall more cohesive than this, but it's also not as creative as this game. One of the things that we can definitely say for Pushover is that it is a unique concept in the Super Nintendo library. I would probably go up at least a bit from Krusty. Kind of significantly higher up, actually. So, okay, like, let's take a look at something like Draken at number 45. Like, All right. Draken is something that, you know, we put pretty high up on the list, even though I think we both feel like if we had gotten more into that game, what it does would have started to wear thin after yeah probably not too long i think that's pretty true yeah so i don't know i mean like would would you say that you would rather go back to draken before going back to pushover i think going back to draken i probably would start discovering the issues with it that a lot of other people have and if i went back to pushover i may actually kind of come to to appreciate more of of what it's doing i may be a little bit more tempted to give pushover another try you know what i think that's a really good point because i think the longer you play draken the more likely we are to bounce off of it whereas i think in general the more someone plays pushover the more likely they are to have it finally click for them because i mean it, it took a little while for that game to click for me too uh then we've got imperium at 44 um was that the one with the with the gundam well so there's been a couple actually that have a gundam <laughs> dang it Right, but th- this was the one where like your power ups are based on experience points, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, no, I I, I didn't hate that system. Um, what do you think of the matchup between this and Pushover, though? Uh, once again, Pushover is probably a more distinctive game. I certainly liked Imperium a decent bit when we played it, partially just based on on the genre, I think, and the fact that it it did what it was doing relatively well. It's not terribly memorable. Yeah, I think this is the second time we've really struggled to remember what that game was. That's unfortunately a bit of an issue. Um, I mean, it's more of just a problem with there being so many shooters on the system than this game not being remarkable. I, yeah, I mean, that's really the thing. It's not really down to to the game's actual quality. We could probably put it above Imperium, but I think I may personally draw the line at 43 Rival Turf. I would be okay with that. 
Because I do like Rival Turf. I, I think it's got a fun personality. And I think that it is weirdly one of those games where the slight tinge of jankiness it has works in its favor. So we want to make Pushover our new 44? Let's do it. All right. So congratulations, Pushover, our new number 44 game, a pretty solid showing. And yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I think a pretty solid puzzle game. I, I really enjoyed it. And with that, we are on to our final game for today. And uh, this is a pretty noteworthy one. Pretty good one. It is actually, yeah. The Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse. Just call it Mickey's Magical Quest, guys. Come on. Come on. You know, this was kind of a thing, though, because I, I think that the the big Sega Mickey Mouse platformer was also called something pretty similar. It was the Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse. So I this was just how they were doing it. I don't know. There's rules that go along with putting Mickey in a game. It's a pretty generic title that is also very long. But so so... We probably don't need to talk too much about who made this game. This is a Capcom game, and Capcom needs no introduction. No, wait. Capcom demands an introduction, and it sounds like this. Oh, I love that. Every every time. It still starts with that one. Even a Disney-branded game, Capcom's like, no, no, no. We still get to put this in there. That's right, yeah. Some actually pretty noteworthy people at Capcom did work on this game. The executive advisor uh, for this game was Tokuro Fujiwara, one of the great luminaries of early Capcom. Uh, He is the creator of Ghosts and Goblins, and he was a producer on a bunch of the Mega Man games as well. You can certainly see a bit of overlap between those and this game in in places, I think. We will dig into that a little bit more. You know, so this is a game, it, it's another Capcom Disney game. Capcom, no stranger to Disney properties by this point. Absolutely. I will say... This game didn't have a terribly strong start for me. Yeah, I agree with that. When you start the game, you're playing as Mickey Mouse. This is a two-dimensional side-scrolling platformer. Uh, His main mechanic, other than, you know, your basic running and jumping, is that he can kind of grab stuff. It's almost like this little slap maneuver that will grab something. It's a weird feeling thing. It never really feels great. Yeah, that's the thing is that it, it feels a little bit looser than i would expect for a capcom game like if this were a game by another studio like ocean i would say that this absolutely meets or exceeds my expectations but with capcom i'm expecting slightly sharper controls than this and the the grabbing mechanic just always felt a little bit looser than it should have to me it's a bit weird because it, it the one of the very first things you have to do in the game is grab this door to open it. And like that is one of the strangest feeling moves I've I've done in a Capcom game. I can't really explain why, but it just doesn't feel right. It's the only time you have to do that also. Most of the time grabbing stuff is like you're grabbing um a little block out of the air and throwing it at something or you're you're grabbing kind of like a chain to to pull on it to release some special items it's an odd way for the game to start the setup for this game is that mickey and his friends you know them donald goofy pluto they're they're playing catch in a field as you do and pluto runs off and mickey goes to find him discovers that pluto has been (laughs) captured by the evil emperor pete and taken to his his evil castle in this fantasy land that he finds himself in 
Just for all you Disney nerds, uh, yes, the Pete in this case is the same Pete from like a lot of the goofy cartoons. It's the one you're thinking of, yeah. And like, there's some amazing stuff done with with Pete in this game. Actually, all of the bosses are like big monsters that just have Pete's face. Some of them, there's a spider one that is genuinely upsetting. <laughs> there's a spider. There's a big worm. Uh, and then the, at the end of the game, you fight like a giant Capcom boss, Pete, that is dressed as like some kind of horrible fantasy evil tyrant emperor. And that stuff is good. But um, the way this game starts, though, is that it, it is set up into, you know, a, a series of worlds that each contain about four levels. And through that entire first set of levels in the first world, the only thing that Mickey can do is grab and jump, basically. Later on, the game really opens up by giving Mickey new powers. The second world introduces a magician costume that allows him to throw magic projectiles, which basically makes him Mega Man X in the sense that he can charge them up. Pretty much, yeah. The world after that introduces a firefighter costume in which Mickey can shoot water from a little fire hose that will move blocks out of the way, put out fires that block his path, and also damage enemies. And then the world after that introduces a mountaineering costume where Mickey kind of takes on a Peter Pan kind of look for some reason and can shoot out a grappling hook a la Bionic Commando. It's very Bionic Commando. And yeah, and you can switch between these freely. The magician and the firefighter both have a consumable resource to use for their projectiles, which you can refill through getting item drops throughout the stages. But yeah, it's the, those, the costumes are really fun and they are the game's sort of central differentiating mechanic that makes this, this unique from the other games that Capcom has, has made that kind of control and, and look a little like this. And yeah, it's a little unfortunate that it takes a while for him to introduce those because they really do energize the game. I, I think that first world, it's really frustrating at points. Like there's a strange level in which you have to ride these weird giant tomatoes that are rolling down vines. And it, it's incredibly frust. It was incredibly frustrating for me to get through that level without taking damage because then you have to fight a, a kind of difficult mini boss at the end of that stage. Yeah, that one took me a little while, and it, it, it felt far more frustrating than I would have expected from a game like this. But yeah, once I managed to get through that first world and I got the magician costume, things really just felt a lot more fun. Then the firefighter costume in which you're basically playing through an entire stage that is just on fire, like like Mickey's been sent to hell or something. <laughs> uh, I mean, he kind of has been sent to hell, actually, because he gets in an elevator. It goes down and down and down into the middle of, like, a mountain. That's right. And that's where the stage is. <laughs> so, okay, so Mickey Mouse in Hell would have been a better title for this, just going to say. But that level was actually a lot of fun. Especially, like, I, th I think the boss of that level was a lot of fun. It's these floating platforms that are spinning around the sort of stone furnace-like head that you have to hose down and the head will make certain platforms catch fire, meaning that 
you can't jump on them anymore until you put them out. And putting them out also um, gives you another refill for your uh, fire hose so that you don't run out of water. You know, I, I think that that part's all really well balanced. And it was just a really fun boss fight, too. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I, that one is very good. Yeah, I think there's a lot to like about this game. And I think it's a shame that they couldn't figure out a better thing for the default Mickey to do. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of talk sometimes in game development about verbs, like what your main verb is for your character. And I think for Mickey before he gets his first costume, that verb is grab, and I just don't think it really works in this game, or is really all that necessary. You know, not to compare this game too much to the game I mentioned before, Castle of Illusion, but Mickey is... His controls in that game are pretty simple, but they do give him, like, a a limited number of projectiles to throw. In some stages of it, it's, like, apples, and others it's, like, marbles. And I kind of wish they had just done that here as well, to some extent, just to give him a little bit of something that he could use that that wasn't just yanking a a block and then sort of pitching it across the ground. Because it doesn't really feel great, and it, it is of limited use wherever you do it. Yeah, I think it's a shame that a lot of people might get put off by that first series of levels before they really get to the point in the game where things start opening up. All the different costumes are a lot of fun to use. The uh, the the Bionic Commando one took a little while for me to get used to, but I've never been very good at Bionic Commando. So it's interesting, you know, reading about the reception to this game when it came out, one of the things that I guess reviewers of the time dinged this on was being too easy, largely because this game gives you unlimited continues and always lets you restart from the stage you died on. And I have to say, I think that is one of the best things in this game, because some of these individual levels are genuinely very difficult. And especially in kind of the early going before you have multiple suits, you know, I, I do feel like there is some of that Ghosts and Goblins unforgiving brutality here, particularly when it comes to the mini bosses in this game, which are across the board, I think, harder than the actual end of world bosses. Um, so you always have to fight a mini boss kind of midway through the world. Like the first and second ones especially are surprisingly difficult. And I would not want someone to kind of bounce off this game before getting to really kind of the meat of it by coming up against one of those bosses and just feeling like, I don't really have a lot of options here. I do wish that it put a better foot forward in that way. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that first mini boss, you know, as I mentioned earlier, is hampered even more by the fact that it comes at the end of a level that is very frustrating and not fun. Uh, probably like the the only level that I would say in the game that is like actively not fun to play is that second level. I agree, yeah. And uh, with mini bosses, unlike the regular bosses, you don't just get to pick up right at the mini boss fight. You have to play that entire level before you can fight them again. So I think that hurts it a little bit too. You know, I really like the sprite work for all the enemies. I think that the backgrounds and everything look really, really good. The one criticism I have is Mickey himself. He's kind of dead-eyed. I don't really like his sprite at all. Yeah. Which is weird because there's so much personality and and life to so much else in this game. Yeah, Mickey's sprite, like you said, it's very dead-eyed, kind of slack-jawed. He he just doesn't exude the personality or the warmth that I expect, you know, Mickey to to have, you know, with with yeah. his his very 
iconic look and smile and everything. They just don't quite capture that no. here, which is kind of a shame. We've been criticizing this game a lot. I mean, and mostly these are nitpicks because I think on the whole, this game is very, very good. It's just... It's Capcom, though, you know? Yeah, it's Capcom. I would expect just a little bit better from Capcom. When it's a company that we know can do such great things, it you know, you hold them to a higher standard. In a lot of ways, this game lives up to the Capcom standard, but... In some places, it does fall down a little bit. This is actually a really good game, and I would really recommend, if you missed this one, uh, I certainly missed this one. I had never played this before. You know, check this out, because I, I think that you'll have a really fun time with it. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, despite all the criticisms we've we've got of this game, it, it's definitely one of the better games that we've played on the system thus far, and one of the better, you know, like, mascot platformers that we've seen so far. For sure, yeah. With the exception of Street Fighter 2, which was amazing on the Super Nintendo, Capcom has had a little bit of a rough start on the system. True. We've had Super Ghosts and Goblins, which we had a pretty mixed feeling about. We had the genuinely pretty troubled Final Fight port. What else have we had from Capcom, actually? Is that it? Well, I guess we had UN Squadron, which was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, a little bit of a spotty track record from Capcom up to this point. But I think maybe we're seeing that pivot now where Capcom really starts getting everything under control and they just start really putting out just the the absolute classics that they're known for. Well, let's take a look at the list and and see where this goes. So, okay, you know, a game that I was thinking about a lot as I was playing this was Hook, which is right now our number 17 game. That is absolutely where I was going to suggest we start talking about this as well. So I think we are very much on the same page there. So, yeah, with Hook, you know, we've got a very similar aesthetic, I think. I think that, like, the Peter Pan sprite is better in than than the Mickey sprite. Um, I also just think that, you know, because Peter Pan doesn't, you know, undergo, you know, like a whole lot of upgrades throughout the game, you know, the Peter Pan that we start with is basically the Peter Pan that we end with. I I think that all of his verbs and actions are pretty well established right from the outset. So I don't think this game has the same sort of stumbling blocks uh, starting out that, that Mickey's magical quest does. So I'm, yeah, almost tempted to put this below but i but i also think that mickey's magical quest becomes a better game than hook ultimately is as you go along it's just that you know you have to get there first so i, I don't know what do you think i i think that it, it hook is is better realized from the start than mickey's magical quest or <laughs> Than, than the Magical Quest is. But I think that some of those later levels in Magical Quest, uh, where you do have access to the different costumes and have a lot more options available for how you progress through the levels, bring the game up. But I think there's something to be said for like a very tight experience that is really confident and, and you know, well-actualized right from the start. Because these are both relatively short games really like they they definitely both favor quality levels over over having a lot of different stages where you're doing kind of the same stuff i think in some ways hook is just kind of a slightly more coherently put together game than this just because it doesn't have to take that time to kind of get going you know so i i think that i think they're both in the same you know bracket in terms of of quality and even like what exactly they're trying to do but i i actually do think that hook maybe kind of 
edges this one out. Yeah, I think I would be okay with that, though. I don't think it's going to drop too much further. Because, like, for example, I, I think... I think this is a top 20 game. Like, I think this is better than Super Off-Road at number 19, which would basically mean that it comes down to Darius Twin at 18 is being just like a really solid co-op shooter enough to edge this one out over Mickey's Magical Quest, or? I don't know if it is, honestly. The more I think about it, I might just, I might put Magical Quest just below Hook. Oh, how great is it to have a top 20 game again? It is truly magical. All right, so the Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse, or as I'm just going to call it from now on, Mickey's Magical Quest, is our uh, new number 18. All right. Good job to Mr. Michael Mouse for uh, for this excellent showing. And with that, we are coming uh, pretty close to the end of 1992. We've only got one episode left, two games left. After this, it's going to mark some changes to how we do a few things here. And I, I don't know, do we want to just dive into that right now? Just let everybody know what's going to be happening? We might as well, yeah. Let's do it. So, like I said before, we're going to have special sports episodes where we can kind of talk about a lot of sports titles at once to get them out of the way and also have a little bit more context when dealing with them. Those are going to kind of be their own thing. So we'll have occasionally episodes that we're just going to call the Snescapade Sports Desk. (laughs) So those are going to be kind of mixed in occasionally with your regular Snescapades episodes. And another thing we're going to start doing is instead of having Newsy come on to announce sort of like a, a new month, we're going to have entire episodes dedicated to the month that we're going into so we're also going to be having our uh, Snescapades playing with power. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that month's Nintendo Power issue as well. Which All right. I, I hope will give us more context to what is going on in the overall, you know, sort of world of Nintendo around those times. And, you know, just kind of what's happening in general in real world history as well. So Newsy is not going anywhere. He's just going to be, you know, popping in for those episodes. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do from now on. We're going to have our regular Snescapades episodes. When we go into a new month, we're going to do Snescapades playing with power. And when we have sports games to talk about, we're going to do Snescapades sports desk. And we'll still have our Snescapades specials as well. We're going to have one to cap off 1992 uh, with some very special guests who I guess I'll just spoil right now. Uh, tentatively, we are going to have the Grand Rapidians on here, uh, Willie and Ginger. I was a guest on their show very recently. That episode is probably going up this week or next week. I am not entirely sure. But yeah, check out the Grand Rapidians Play Games podcast. They are a lot of fun. I, I had a lot of fun being on their show. So much fun that I said, hey, we're going to have them on this show too. So that's what we're doing. So, yeah, and uh, I'm really excited for all of that. I think you guys are going to enjoy these changes to the show. We're just adding more. We're not taking anything away from the experience you're you're already having, except for maybe taking away us kind of stumbling through trying to find new stuff to say about sports games that we don't really have much in the way of feelings about. So Yeah, I think this is the best way for us to handle sports because, again, yeah, I didn't want to have to leave them out entirely, but... No, yeah. I also just think, you know, we, yeah, we don't have a ton to say about individual sports games. And so talking about them as a genre will give us more to talk about and and just make that easier to get through. We hope you all look forward to all of that. That being said, still have one more week of December 1992 to go. What are we going to be playing? So we've got, uh, yeah, the last two games for 1992. We've got Test Drive 2, The Duel, and Warp Speed. That's going to be the last two games 
1992. Then it is it is so long, 92, into 93, and into all the fun new changes for the show that, again, you know, not going to be drastic changes to the show. Fun stuff ahead. And uh, I guess with that, um, I guess it's time to get serious. Uh, as it is, every week we do it this time. Uh, get serious. You know, I guess I don't have a whole lot else to talk about right now other than just, you know, keep on protesting. Black Lives Matter. Trans rights or human rights. I would also maybe just add another thing today. Uh, unionize your workplace, folks, especially if you're in tech. Like, do whatever you can to start the process of unionizing because we need to take back some of the power from the corporate overlords that basically run this entire country right now. We are in dire straits right now as a country. If you live in the U.S. here, like I'm, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. Things are falling right the hell apart. And the only way we fix that is if all of us have more power, more agency over what's going on, and all of us can just kind of say, we're done coddling the billionaire class. We're going to, you know, we need a government that actually looks after all of us. One big way to do that would be to unionize your workplace. All right, folks. Well, uh, thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this one. I, I was in a much better mood today because <laughs> I had a lot more to be positive about today. So uh, hopefully that keeps up next week. I know nothing about these two games. so I, Me either, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see you next time. I'm Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero. Play it loud. Our intro-outro song is How Now Brown Cow by Technoaxe, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty-free at technoaxe.com. That's T-E-K-N-O-A-X-E dot com. <laughs> right now, you can instantly win one of 200 Commodore Amigas with scrummy curly quivers. Or push over a new computer game starring me and my pal, Giant. There are 10,000 to be won. Details on every package. Watch out, computers have got curly.